Welcome to the Bold Acting Podcast for Friday, November 10th, 2023. The rate at which a person can mature is directly proportional to the embarrassment he can tolerate. Douglas Engelbart, father of the computer mouse and digital pioneer. Under the Volcano by Malcolm Lowry. Outline by Rachel Kusk. Incest by Anais Nin. Wisdom at Work, Chip Connolly. Connolly. Whatever. The thing these books have in common is only that I'm reading them. But I'm in a mood about books. I'm close-minded these days. I only like certain things. It's not like me to lead with what I like in as much as what I like to complain about. Complaining is a human need. The transfer of of information, much like gossip, between village members, is a survival tool. We've come to abhor it, incorrectly, due to there are just too many of us doing it. This is a product of us losing our village perspective. We live in giant cities and are exposed to too many of us. Not its efficacy. To complain is to warn others. Fuck that guy in that cheese shop. I don't go there anymore. Because he always rolls his eyes at me every time I ask a question about cheese. Aren't you supposed to know about cheese? I'm not supposed to know about it. Because I don't own a cheese shop. Or I'm not driving to Old Town to get my hair cut at 1.30 p.m. When that puts me squarely in rush hour traffic on the expressway. And it'll take me three days to get home. So as I lead with complaints, know that I'm doing this fully aware of how petty it sounds and how I don't think that discounts it one bit. Besides, positivity is annoyingly popular, and I am allergic to that which everyone is talking about. Shout out to intermittent fasting, drinking gallons of water, and misusing the word caveat. Under the Volcano starts with an introduction that I make the mistake of reading in which some hack named Steven Spender gives away the plot within the first two pages. Thanks, Steve. Guess I can put this book aside now. On the title page, M hand wrote in black pen to Mo. They shot first and asked questions later. I can see you. I am watching you. You can't escape me. Page 314. Ah, modern marriage. XO, Xmas 14. The marginalia makes me want to read on. It does for me the opposite of what the introduction did. Is this social media that makes me even more impatient? Oh, that's another thing I can't take anymore. Everybody has ADHD. And you can self-diagnose. What fun. This fall, everybody in victimhood. I'm rereading Outline by Rachel Cusk, which is a bit like taking a class in writing for the second time taught by a writer much better than you. You are reminded once more what great writing looks like. And that you may not be any closer to it since the first time you were made privy of its existence, but at least the story happens in warm Greece or my favorite city, London. My friend C is going in March. We've been traveling there together for north of 20 years. 
I haven't been back since that thing that took over the world for a few years happened. It was January 2020. Not the most clement time of year to visit England, as Deb Levy calls it in Hot Milk. Great book. Every day I go to a different bookstore and buy a book and take the book to a different pub. And I made sure they were pubs. I mapped it out. Pubs that either had a wood-burning or a coal-burning fireplace. And I would sit in front of that fireplace and I would read my new book and I would drink warm beer. Often there was a cat. I think if I was able to retire, that's what I might do for the rest of my days. Although due to acid reflux, I don't drink beer anymore. But I could still have a gin. And a parliament. Can't wait to start smoking again. From Gallery 78 in Kensington Market, I got incest by Anais Nin. It's her journals in which she writes about having a sexual relationship with her father at the age of 30, getting pregnant with Henry Miller, and having an abortion at the six-month mark. You know, just the usual lunacy that goes along with that crew. I tend to get her mixed up with Colette, who cheated on her husband with his son to get back at him for cheating on her. Oh, to be French. It all makes me wonder at my own relationship with being embarrassed, with, with um, writing about embarrassing stuff, with uh, behaving in a, in a truly human way, an uncool way. Like many punishments, a little embarrassment goes a long way. Just the right amount of guilt will get you up earlier in the morning. A sousson of self-shame will get you exercising. A touch of the passive-aggressive from your spouse will make you think twice before shaking the colicky baby again. But it's a long and consistent affair with embarrassment that will relegate you impervious to its effects. In class on Sunday, I brought a level of heat to a line of dialogue an actor I was teaching could not. I didn't give him a line reading, I don't think, although I'm not opposed to those. You know, I sort of improvised the line in the manner of which I wanted him to deliver it. I learned this from Ben Emanuel, a teacher of mine in Vancouver. I saw him do it years ago when I could not. It was like he turned on a gas element on a stove. I marveled at how fast he could respond. In class, this young actor blushed when I asked him to explode a little. And I knew instantly that young wasp before me. I was once him. He'll have to become acquainted with the embarrassment of living. And the faster you do it, the better. I teach emotional preparation. That's where you become aware of the feelings you have in real life, and then you observe them and practice them. It's a bit psychotic for sure, to be in the middle of a fight with your boyfriend and think, I wonder what my face is doing right now. But as actors, we have to know what our face is doing. So why not take the horrifying, the boring, the stressful, the sad moments of your life and turn them to good use? Acting should be additive. It shouldn't cost in a way real life does. Things are hard enough out there. Acting should be fun, helpful, exciting, embarrassing. Being embarrassing means you're mining and exposing the truth. 
Show the truth to the people and the people will thank you. Maybe not personally. There is, a re- there is a reason we are in the light and they are in the dark. We can handle the truth. I mean, don't go and have sex with your dad or anything. We don't need to be complete maniacs about it. When she was 30, I mean, what is that? Who is abusing who? Ugh. Although um, he was handsome. Great writing aside, Connolly's book on becoming a mentor resonates because, as my sister-in-law put it, you've, you've got to an age, I, you, by you I mean I, I've got to an age where I have wisdom to impart. This suggests that I have successfully metabolized experience into something worthwhile. And it, and it implies a finality to this station. I'm here, just as everyone my age gets here. Your days of action may be drawing to a close. You can't stay up late anymore. You're slower. You're dilapidating. Maybe it's time to reflect and pass the torch. Is this what they mean by making way? Then why do they pay teachers so poorly? It's not as if I'm being foisted up on young, virile shoulders or anything. This is not the exit I was hoping for. The making way for others, so far, is a little thankless, monetarily at least. Connolly says stuff like, old people have sound judgment compared to young people. This is true in my case. My rate of screw-ups has slowed in the last ten years. Good judgment comes from experience come wisdom, and wisdom comes from bad judgment. We don't learn as much when things are going well. This is where I come in. Much of my class is me redirecting students with other behavioral options they might not have thought of. This isn't terribly illuminating, but it is practically fulfilling. For instance, when I show an actor another way of doing it, this is behavior or a moment or character choices or whatever, then I follow up with me saying, we're just practicing the practice. We're practicing practicing. We're, um, we're developing your curriculum, just as I'm developing my own, your own personal curriculum. An old teacher of mine in Calgary, Michael Green, once said, you can't just practice, you got to practice the right way. The right way is the way that serves you best, not someone else. It's not, uh, this is not a system. I am a guide by your side, not the guru in front of you. What do you think of that rhyme? So the thing we just found is now yours. You don't need me anymore. And because we're just practicing, you'll be able to discover and deploy all on your own these things because you've been borrowing my imagination. You haven't been um, ascribing to my system. But you got to have your ears on for this to work. Until I was 28, I was practically deaf. I learned very little. I'm becoming better, a better listener, just as my hearing is slowly failing. Huh. Are my students able to hear me? Those glassy eyes and slightly opened mouths that make up the majority of their faces when I'm rambling on, are they in awe of me? Probably. Or are they falling asleep? Probably. 
If I'm just annoying and naggy, then they can't hear me. I know this from parenting. If they're not in the mood, then no amount of my song and dance will land. Either you're ready for Malcolm Lowry or you're not. To be embarrassed, you need two things. You need to be out there in the world and to know that you are. You need to know that, to be engaged and to be self-aware. Then the embarrassments will happen. I mean, they just happen. You can't circumvent embarrassment with a wordy introduction. The The embarrassment happens, and then it happens, and then it will keep happening. And what a relief. Because you can't die from it, even if it feels like you are. You can die from stress or worry. You grow from embarrassment. As long as you're listening, then you can course correct. And then you can notice what your face is doing. And now for a conversation with seasoned pro and my old friend and comedy partner, David Milchard. Looking back, what's the decision you made that made the, the biggest difference? You're talking about like life in general, or specifically no acting, acting. specifically acting. acting? Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- that made a difference. Yeah, I think. Talk over oh, here. Shoot, sorry. Ask that again. No, go ahead. Because <laughs> I got, I was talking, I was asking <laughs> oh. properly. That made a difference. Okay, the thing that made a difference for me acting. Yeah, what was that big decision you made? Well. Well, first was just committing to the idea of acting was that I'm just yeah. being okay with it personally. Talk about that. Like, how old were you? Well, I went to university to be a, a high school teacher. Yeah. Did and you then, really? Was it a university? Yeah. Was it a college? No. What was well, no, it? I went to Laurentian? university for four years, and then I went to Is university. A- yes. It's a, okay. I just. I mean, it doesn't exist anymore. Apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. Something happened where it was a Me university too? when I went. Wasn't it in Thunder Bay? Sudbury. Sudbury. Sorry. All the same. <laughs> so, okay, so you admitted to yourself and others that you were going to come out as an actor. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I always wanted to. Yeah. I, in high school, I did plays and stuff, but uh, it wasn't, a, fa- it wasn't um, a choice anyone would make. And then I realized when I was teaching, I shouldn't teach right away because I had no life experience so mm-hmm. then I chose to go visit and stay with some friends from my hometown and ski because I love skiing so I was like why don't I take a break and I went to Whistler and then it was there that when I was skiing and mountain biking and doing all these cool things that I a friend of mine who was a snowboarder a pro snowboarder says you're funny and you always talk about acting and you like why don't you just go do it Vancouver's just down the street and that's literally what happened. Oh. There's often that one person that twigs to your real mm-hmm. deal and goes, why don't you? Why aren't you? Because it's no skin off their back. And of course not. They don't. But, but what do they care if I do yeah, it or Yeah, it's don't? easy. It's weird how, uh, what we put importance on. You know, like all you needed was one drunken Australian no. pro high, high. It wasn't Australian or pro. High. Pros, one snowboarding. Well. I think it might have been a vegan at the time. Okay, well, like really, you're, you're, you're you taking a you based your whole about. life on what a starving vegan said yeah. on a, and 
it, all that means to me is that you were ready for that. Mm-hmm. You would have arrived at that at some point eventually where you would have gone, I can't teach. This is bullshit. The second part of that question or, or second answer to your question is that I realized that uh, I needed to learn. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, this sounds like a complete plug. (laughs) But the truth is, is I was like, oh, no, I have to understand what I'm doing. And so I went and watched improv. Yeah. I watched plays, watched movies in a different way. I took acting classes. I did all that. And How did you watch the movies in a different way? What does that look like? I just started watching... Uh, I guess just sort of, I would watch through a different lens. I wouldn't yeah. just watch a movie and you know disappear. I'd kind of like what, yeah. what are they doing? And then I would watch behind the scenes when DVDs were a big thing. Remember those? The the special features were so good. I, I mean, love them. There was always an extra DVD. Yeah. That's right. And it had commentary. It had outtakes, yes. deleted scenes. It had their auditions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could they add some, in the auditions of the, how the actors got the jobs in the first place. I remember, remember all the commentary. They, you yeah. could watch the movie with producer yeah, with or director, director or, actor. or leading actor commentary. Yeah, you know if they're going to bring back ads, Amazon, Netflix. I'm talking to you. You can bring back behind the scenes and some auditions and That's whatever a good point. else. Don't they all have ads? No, they're all Amazon's bringing ads in next year. They just, if if the, the listeners could see my face, you can see it. It's it's so ridiculous the cycles that we we go through. It's all cycles. We, we tear down or disrupt mm-hmm. or innovate. I'm using quotations and change an industry only to then tear down unions and pay and all the hard work that everybody did to get to yeah. be a pair to pair like. Yeah. And we're just going to do it again. So now streaming was like, oh, the writers and actors can do whatever they want. Just tell your stories. Guess what? And now we're not going to pay you. And now yeah. here we are. And the strike got resolved today, I guess. But I don't know. Have you seen the results? No. The strike's resolved. But, I mean, in our neck of the, neck of the woods, uh, there's still a, a war on labor in the shape of a commercial actor's lockout. Still. So we're fighting to keep our jurisdiction. Your jurisdiction, Vancouver, has been gone for 15 years. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's, there's, there's no all, it's all non-union. Yeah. Um, what was the thing? So once you decided to be an actor, then what was the thing that got you going? What was the thing that where you were like, I finally got traction. I went from zero to, okay, now I'm... Now I've in, I'm in this community, or now I have this representation. Or, well, that's and a good how question. long did it take? I'm not sure. Do you remember? To, I, I'm not sure how to answer it because I had I was very lucky out of the gate. I booked my. F- but how did you get the audi- the agent? Because I was in acting school, and there was an which agent, acting school? Vancouver Film School. Well, you went there. What kind of su- student debt did you have? I got a scholarship. Because how did you get that? I, there was a scholarship opportunity, and I where at Vancouver Film School, and I you were living in Vancouver. Uh, no, I was living in Whistler. This is you all were around the time. In this is all around the time the snowboarder guy was like, "Go follow right. your dreams. Go on, do it, mate. Let it rip." He was from Ontario. 
So how did you get the scholarship? You uh, applied? Yeah. That's it? Yeah, there was like a, you know, put an audition on tape and do whatever else you think. I wrote a song and sang a song. Yeah. And all those other... There was and a how much money did you get? It was to cover the tuition. So that was... For how long? The whole... The whole year. For, so you went to VFS for one year acting. Correct. Huh. And so I had to borrow... That's fun, right? Yeah. And it was a full time. Back then it was like, it was like five days a week and even your weekends were consumed. So they Who actually taught had, you? Anybody good? Oh my good? God. <clears throat> I'm terrible. Or anybody terrible in your things. class... That it would be like, oh, they're doing okay now. Uh, I'm that person. <laughs> that's great. That's great. That's the person oh you want to be. Oh, my God. That's so... So once you were in it, were you like, yeah, this is it? Or were you still filled with question marks? When I got into film school? Yeah, like once you were doing it every day, studying, were you like, yes? Oops. Well, I, I was skeptical. Like, I was skeptical of my own, but I was also skeptical of what people were teaching. Was it fun? Like, did you feel like you mm-hmm. were hitting your stride or something? Oh, I definitely had fun. Yeah. And I, and I had an agent early on because of the film school, and I was persistent. But how did fun. you get the agent? Because they came to the school, and they were talking about how they, to get an agent, blah, 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 blah. And oh. I asked a lot of questions. And then literally the next week, I went over to the agency, and I said, you should just hire me now. And, and John Davies did. No way. John yeah. Davies. He's retired, right? I think so. I bumped into him he a is. year and a half ago. Well, he's still alive. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> so you And then you started booking right away, non-union commercials? I booked my first actual acting gig, like my first TV and film like, acting gig. Really? Uh, and so I was like, oh, I, I got this. Yeah. Which was very foolish. Well, it's not, uh, yeah, it's not the case. I don't know if it's that foolish. It's kind of expected, isn't it? I guess, yeah. You just kind of like, this is easy. I know. Yeah. This acting is, you know. You never think, like, the the person, there's a me that's 10 years older and 20 years older and 30 years older and 40 years older. And, like, you never go into, when you're young, you don't go into a waiting room and go, Look at all these future me's. You just yeah. go, look at all these old guys that yeah. are, don't have any hair and kind of smell of booze in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. Little did we know that that would be us in the blink of an eye, minus the smelling of booze during the day, hopefully. hopefully. Although, every there's now. been a couple Every times. now. Every now. <laughs> every now. <laughs> I, uh, I think back then when I was auditioning, you never thought, or I never thought about, oh, I'm going to be auditioning all the time, and that's what my actual job is. Because I, yeah. I thought, oh, yeah. I'm going to book, and I'm going to be working all the time. And, you know, there were times when it was like that. I was working lots. And then there were times when, you know, certainly for obvious reasons, the last, for obvious reasons, the last few years have been crazy. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's shocking to think how little I've worked in the last little while. Like it, it's like I've worked uh, twice in the last four years, yeah, it, it, and both of those were old work. It was not a new audition right. and a new job. It was old. It was like they were cornered and they had to hire me again. <laughs> See, what blew my mind was when uh, I heard actors and uh, SAG talking about how few actors 
make more than what, 20,000 or 25,000, yeah. some small yeah. amount of money yeah. to survive. And so, of course, they have to have another job or two, mm-hmm. especially if you're living in New York or Los mm-hmm. Angeles or whatever. So that's what blew my mind when I was like, wow, this is crazy. Because I'd never really, there was a while there where I, I never had, uh, I, but there was a while there where I didn't have to, I didn't have to worry about having another job. Right. Like it wasn't required. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, I'll just do this on the weekend or whatever because it's like fun. But you always taught, right? I didn't teach all the time. No, no, no. No. No, no I, I, I was, I made money early, early years. I booked a lot of commercials. I booked enough TV and film and I did improv. Yeah. You performed at Vancouver Theater Sports. Yeah, and then we performed. Yeah, and then yeah. we would do every now and then. There'd be a corporate gig. Yeah, come along. Corporate co- that would be good. How yeah. much money was that? Corporate, the corporate job back then. Oh, like a couple hundred remember? bucks. A couple hundred yeah, bucks in a night. You know, you drive out to Delta and you do the AGM for the or the annual party for. Yeah. Uh, Lickman's Plumbing. Yeah, exactly. Or a Sherbert Taxi you'd, Company. You'd end up at a golf. Uh, Golf course in in their in their big yeah. ballroom doing a show for a bunch with a hundred accountants yeah yeah and you come out and do your arms experts and you oh yeah. the laughs yes yeah, one time I was what's that game where you and an audience member go out of the room and then other improvisers do a bunch do Clues. a bunch of crowd work yeah. Oh, blind and then line. you come back in. What's it called? Well, there's two things I think you're thinking of. One is like there's where two people go outside, whether it's an audience member or not, and uh, the remaining improvisers get information from the audience, and it becomes lines of dialogue. Right. And you just read the lines right, of dialogue. Right, right. And then there's another one where you can go outside with an audience member, and it's an endowment where they get three things that you have to confess to, and the other improvisers that were in the room getting the information, they have to give you clues and you and the audience member have to guess that's a rare game because that's to do with an audience member it's tricky that's what i do that's what i'm remembering was uh i went into i went outside of the ballroom with a woman and she was like well we might as well just start making out no yeah and then i panicked and i didn't and we didn't do anything. We just stood there awkwardly in this small room and we waited for the knock on the door and then we went back in. <laughs> was it like a closet or like, like and a... I always look back at that. I'm like, what's wrong with you sometimes? What's, where, where, where's your brain? Well, you were probably like, I'm working, I'm a professional. That's totally it. I'm working, I'm a professional. I can't behave like that. Uh, it's, That's a good story. So what, what was the... Fast forward to yes. when you became an internet sensation. It was your <laughs> wedding here in Stony Creek, Ontario. Yeah. And it was a beautiful wedding with hundreds of people you had never met before. Yeah, mostly Italians. Mostly Italian cousins that Christina had never met no, before either. No. And I didn't know third cousins were a thing. No, I think wasp culture is like the, there's a, there's concentric rings that go to like two or three. They don't go to twelve as far as family members. After two or three, you're a stranger. Yeah, and then so you decided you were in Toronto and you were like, I'm not going to, if I remember this correctly, I'm not going to my own honeymoon. 
in New York with my blushing bride. I'm going home because a video I made blew up on YouTube, mm-hmm. and we're going to go chase that. Yeah. Is that what happened? That's Am the, I remembering that right? That's correct. Yeah. What happened was we made some videos, and then they got released, and then literally like two or three days it started getting traction before our wedding. This is convos with my two-year-old. Correct. Yeah. And then base, yeah, almost on the day. It might have been the night before, but by the actual wedding day, it would had a million views and it was... A million? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. It was going through... Wow. Whatever. YouTube called up and said, you haven't monetized. Why aren't you monetized? Because we had no idea. And then we monetized. And then... They were also like, oh, yeah, your subscribership's going up as fast as we've ever seen it. No one's ever gone this fast. Are you, have you got more videos? We're like, no. And then that's why I flew back. And you started making them right away. Yeah. And what was that like? Like you went back home to Vancouver uh-huh. and you and Matt just started writing or improvising or shooting? Well, he, or- had, he had had a child, Coco. And so he had, you know, been, he was a very thoughtful person. And so he's he, a wonderful person. So he was like really making sure he was aware of how unique his, you know, having a child is and being a father and having a daughter and all those things. So he was just very, I think, maybe perhaps more aware than most people are about like yeah. the interactions you may have yeah. and the feelings you may have and uh, all that. And so he was just conscious of it. So he kept notes and, you know, would write certain conversations down and, and so he had some more, luckily. He, was like, <coughs> he goes, do you think this one will be funny? And I said, oh, well, let's try it out. And, you know, we didn't know. And we we would often shoot things multiple ways in order to... You were shooting them yourselves. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't yeah. have any crew. Uh, no, we had uh, a few people. It wasn't a big crew. Right. Because um, that was part of, like, we did, the first ones we did, we did actually have crew, which allowed us to have actually good cameras and yeah. focus so it didn't look... And bad. did it keep growing exponentially? I wouldn't say grew exponentially, but we we were making a incredibly good living doing something that's fun. What what kind of money were you making? Mm. I did the brass tax. Um, hundreds. Hundreds of thousands? How much? Like, just tell me how much. I don't know why we have to be worried about... Well, I mean... It's all I, over Because now, I'm right? not like... A, well, yeah, it's, well, it's not all all over. Um, but, uh, it would be like when we were doing some of the big, the big deals with the brands, cause that's really where the money was, wasn't in the viewership. Right. The, like, yes, you got money from YouTube. Yeah. But now, I mean, I don't want to say anything bad about YouTube, <laughs> but they didn't, what happened was they, you could make okay money during YouTube, but then the moment people started making good money off of brand deals, mm-hmm. they gave you a hard time. So they, what they did it's my interpretation could be incorrect. So a brand comes on and goes, we'll give you $200,000 to make a bunch of videos. Mm-hmm. That's good money, right? Mm-hmm. So we'd say yes. Mm-hmm. Then what they would do, that originally I think at one point YouTube was like, we want a cut of that. And everyone was like, no. Oh, YouTubers that's disgusting. No, no, no. Jesus. So then what they just did was they made you pay for your views. Oh, So they wow. got their cut anyways. So if you want a, a real... Long dramatic pause. What would you YouTube, net out at? YouTube, Google, yeah, Facebook, Instagram. It's hard. TikTok. They're it's harder. Commercials. And they're, they're advertising companies. And they're crooks. Yeah, and they're crooks. They're, they're absolute, absolute, yeah. absolutely crooks. 
and they should be regulated. Abs. Got super political. Got political. I no, it didn't. it didn't. That's not political at all. But There's nothing unreasonable about that. It's not even political. It's just moral. Yeah. Here's it's why they ethical. should be. Here's why they should be regulated. Re- 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 Is that a new word? No. Here's why they should be regulated. If you are a primary source of information for people, and I know it might not always be accurate, but if you need that platform to understand or know about something, if you need that platform to have a business and make an income and put Mm -hmm. food on your table, Mm -hmm. uh, if it becomes uh, a necessity to have a phone, if it's essential, there should be rules. Then you got to have rules. You can't, you know, it's not the Wild West. You don't get to ride around without a saddle. No. So, so the best years I've made, I've had like, are like two fifty, three hundred grand. That's yeah. I had a couple years like that. Yeah, yeah. That's all I had. Yeah. Did I save all that money? Did I say was I good at saving? No. Well, I thought you did okay. You bought a place. You did some things for sure. I did the bare minimum, and I always had lots of cash lying around. Mm -hmm. Like I always had a contingency fund, but I didn't save. I didn't invest. I didn't sock it away for a rainy day. Did you do any of that? A little bit, uh, but nothing. Like, I finally was able to buy a place, so mm-hmm. I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Although I'm paying for it now with the high interest rates. You have a variable like I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, rough. You know, but at least, your at least, at least I'm up? ready for it. How much has your mortgage like gone up? The other poor souls that are ready to renew, they're going to be, at least like for me, it was like a gradual bleed. Oh, more cuts, more yeah. cuts. Um, what uh, what's my mortgage now? Yeah, relative to what it was in doubled. 2021. It's doubled. So wow. It, yeah, it's doubled. I was at two and a quarter percent, and now it's more than doubled. Really. And your monthlies have doubled. Yeah. Or not quite. Pretty much doubled. Yeah. Yeah. Because I yeah because it was two. So is it there going to be a, a trigger? Sorry. It was a two and a quarter, and now I'm now I'm paying like six and a yeah six. And six that's a rental property, and and is your rent covering? No. No. I'm in the red. Every month you're in the yeah. red. And what are you going to do? I'm going to keep it. You're going to keep it no matter choice. what. Yeah, just keep oh, it. Oh, you have no choice. Well, I mean, I could sell it, but I don't. Then what do I do? Yeah. Every, everything is expensive. Every, every, yeah. it's like it's. Yeah. You just, I you, teach, this is where I'm going okay. with this, is I teach people you've got to make your own stuff. That's why I yeah. wanted to ha- talk to you about this. Because you're a prime example of somebody who just kept making their own stuff mm-hmm. and they got a hit. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do with that hit? How long does it last? Mm-hmm. And then do you store your nuts for winter? Mm-hmm. And how do you do that best? Mm-hmm. And even when you do it best and you're, and you're responsible like you are, like you live in a cheap rental property in mm-hmm. Vancouver, mm-hmm. right? You hang on to that because mm-hmm. you're smart. You're like, this is a good rent I've got here in this in the Sweden of Canada. Mm-hmm. So you buy a rental property outside of the city and you mm-hmm. put somebody in there and yet you're still mm-hmm. being bent over a barrel in this <laughs> new economy, right? Yeah. Like it's always the middle class that gets squeezed mm-hmm. when things get tough. Mm-hmm. And even though you're, there's plenty of ways to skin a cat, you're doing a whole bunch of different stuff. You're making your own stuff. You're performing live. You're a producer. You're auditioning. You're acting. You're singing. You're fucking everything. Is it enough? No. Like, is it enough to pay for stuff? No. Yeah. No. Uh, I'm. I'm. I would say I haven't been in this financial shape and not in a good way since I started. 
Yeah. Like that's what blows my mind. I was like, wait a minute, I've got more experience, yeah. more knowledge, more talent. I feel more confident. I feel like I can do, like, I feel like if you ask me to do a job, I can deliver it, you know, yeah. more than ever. But people aren't willing to pay for it. No. Which is, which for me is like the biggest, it's a kind of like, that's the kick in the, in the nutsack. It's, it's like, yeah, we've got how all this I, wisdom. How, how am I, how can I have and this they much? they just want to put us out to pasture. You know, it's just like, come on. To me, this is something I also bang on about, mostly to myself, is what's the upside? Like wherever there's adversity, it means there's opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you just got to find it. Well, I think that, you know, with all the experience and with the whatever, ups and downs, frustrations, happiness, all that, you now have a sense of... Uh, maybe making decisions quicker. You're able to just to mm-hmm. decipher what makes more sense. We have good judgment and clarity at this age. So that's great. So then when you decide to do or not do something, yeah. you're going to come to that conclusion hopefully quicker. Yeah. And you're not going to deliberate and you're going to move on and you're going to you're just going to get on with it. Uh, which I think is something that I wish I knew 20 years ago. Okay, just to wrap up, if you had uh, one piece of advice that you could give to your younger self, what would it be? Well, I think it would be making decisions faster, but not hastily. I know that sounds like I'm contradicting. You mean don't, like, get off the fence? Like, just do stuff? Do stuff, make stuff, uh, and move on from stuff. So move on words, from failures. Yeah, in other words, or successes, or successes. But like, just don't don't talk about it. Don't deliberate uh, deliberate for too long, right. and do it. And then that would be my advice: be like, and just why? Do it. Why is that important to just do it? Um, well, because if you just if you if you do it, you know whether or not you're good at it. <laughs> yeah, if you do it, it's like testing. Yeah. It's like A/B testing. You try one way, and then you if it doesn't work out, you try the other way. And then you try this, and then you try that. And and to to like to pontificate for too long, which I'm guilty of. That's why I'm giving myself this advice for 25 years ago. Would be that don't think about it as much. You do it. It felt good. Keep doing it. it didn't feel good. Move on. Or a person or a thing or whatever. Just make a decision one way or the other. That's not to say to be flippant and nonchalant about it. You still need to think about whether or not you're going to hold on to something or let something go. But you still need to make that decision and you actually need to have a timeline because, yeah. wow, what's that? It's been 30 years. <laughs> Has it? Well, I don't know if it's been 30 years, but it's been... It's been 1997 was my first acting job. Yeah, what was my... yeah My, my first been... on camera, my first play was like 1994. Yeah, my first acting job would have been like 99, 2000. So it's been a minute. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah. But don't, you know, again, the other advice is like, don't, um, don't think that, uh, that somehow someone's going to go, you like, oh, you're so good. And you're going to, no. and you, that's never, no, it never, doesn't happen. No, it's no. like, you have to make, you if you can make your own yourself. work. Yeah. If you can figure yeah. it out yourself, that's when you'll get the, yeah, the, the chances of, the whatever the big dream but even then i don't know 
Now you can work hard for 30 years. No one's gonna give you the big paycheck. It's better if you make your own paycheck. <laughs>